Welcome to Truths for Life with Pastor Teacher Chris Hall. And you know, as Christian people, uh, God has invested a lot of it in us. You know, just think. He's invested His Son, the death of His Son, to save us, to make us the children of God. He's invested the best of heaven in us, and He has saved us. Now, when the Lord saves us, you know, being saved is a privilege, but there's a lot of responsibilities to the Christian life. You know, salvation is a privilege God gives us. But as a result of that privilege, we have many responsibilities as Christians. And that is, the Lord doesn't save us just to sit, soak, and sour. He, he, he saves us to make a difference for Him in this world. And He invests talents and abilities into us. And He, he, you know, he gives us opportunities to serve Him. And He wants us to bear fruit for Him. He's planted the seed of salvation in us. And he wants us to bear fruit in our life, visible fruit that is the result of that salvation that he has given to us. Jesus said this in John chapter 15. And, you know, Jesus spoke this just very few hours before he would go to the cross in the first five verses. He said, and he uses the imagery of a farmer. He said, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself... Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. And so the Lord, he's invested a lot of us in us and he wants us to bear fruit for him. That. And what, what does that mean then? What is the fruit that he is talking about? So tonight we're going to talk about being fruitful. And so what does the Bible say about the fruit that we are to bear for the Lord? The, the visible result in our life of the salvation that he has given to us. Well, you know, when you think about fruit, our, our minds usually go first to Galatians 5, 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit. The Lord wants us to bear this fruit. And in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, the Bible identifies what is called the fruit of the Spirit. Now, it's, these are not the fruits of the Spirit, plural, but rather it is the fruit of the Spirit, singular. But there are several different characters and qualities characteristics and qualities that are mentioned as being the fruit of the Spirit. So here's the idea you get. You go to the store and you buy a bunch of bananas. And you bring them home. Well, you've got one bunch of mini bananas. <laughs> well, the fruit of the Spirit is, is 
things that the Holy Spirit of God does in us, produces in us qualities and characteristics that are all interconnected and intertwined, interjoined. And they are characters and quali- characters and qu- uh, qualifications and characteristics and qualities that the Holy Spirit produces in our life as we live our lives filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Now, what is, what is, or what is the greatest evidence that we have been saved? Well, the first greatest evidence is a changed life. When Jesus saves you, he changes your life. You know, and somebody who says they're saved, but they, their life hasn't changed. They're living just the way they are, were living or, you know, before they said they were saved. That's not possible. When God saves, he changes. He makes us new creatures. He does his work of salvation in our life. The Holy Spirit of God comes to live within us. When God saves us, he changes us. What is, what is the, the, the greatest evidence that I've been saved? Number one, a changed life. Number two, that, I, that the fruit of the Spirit is visible in my life. That the Holy Spirit of God begins to produce these characters and these, these characteristics in our life. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's not the fruit of my own effort. It's the fruit of the Spirit. As I walk in the Spirit, as I yield my life every day to the control of the Holy Spirit of God, He will produce this fruit in my life. And it's one of the greatest evidences when these things are found in my life that I truly am a Christian. And so Galatians 5, 22 and 23, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. In other words, as you are filled and controlled and guided by the Holy Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God will produce these characteristics, these Christ-like qualities in your life. My, my daughter and my grandchildren love to put together puzzles. They do one every Christmas time, some Christmas-themed puzzle. I'm not a puzzle putting together kind of guy. I just don't have the patience for that. But my daughter and Miss Iris and my grandchildren, they will sit there and they will take that little piece and they'll try to find where it's supposed to go, you know. And they'll get a thousand piece thing. And they'll, you know, they'll work on this. And I say, well, you know, that's good. And I love to aggravate them. I say, you know, you missed that one. (laughs) And I have no idea what it is, you know. I love to aggravate them. But if you take these qualities and you, you make, you, you say, all right, these are pieces of a puzzle. Here, the fruit of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, and you put them all together as a puzzle, guess whose picture you get? Jesus. These are all Christ-like qualities. And when the Holy Spirit of God is in control of our life, he produces these Christ-like qualities in our life. And so the fruit that God wants to produce in our life is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love. Now that's the word agape. Y'all ever heard the word agape? You've heard the word agape. You know, agape. There's three words for love in the original language. One is philo, which, uh, you know, friendship, uh, friendship kind of love, filial kind of love. Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, philo. Then there's eros, 
which is, you know, a physical kind of, of love. And then there's agape. Agape is an extremely interesting word. When the writers of the New Testament were writing, you know, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, they wanted to talk about the love of God. And so they said, okay, the love of God, you can't really use the word phila to adequately explain the love of God because God's love is more than a brotherly kind of love or a familial kind of love. And they said, you can't really use the word eris because God's love is, is beyond anything physical. They said, well, what word are we gonna use to express the love of God. Well, sitting over on the shelf of the Greek language was this word agape. It was a word, it was a word for love, but it was almost rarely, if ever used. It was almost like it was a word created specifically to be used to express God's love. So what the writers of the New Testament did was they took that word off the shelf and since it was very little used and didn't have really any kind of meaning up to that point attached to it, they said agape will make it represent God's love and they gave that word its meaning. Agape love, Christ-like love, self-giving love, sacrificial love, uh, forgiving love, confessing uh, non-grudge holding love, the kind of love where someone meets the needs of other people with no expectation of rewards or recognition. That's the kind of love God wants to produce in our life. A God-like kind of love. Agape. Joy. Joy is different from happiness. Happiness depends on your happenings. You get a $1,000 check in the mail from the IRS and you're happy. You get a $1,000 bill in the mail from the IRS and you're not happy. Happiness depends on happenings. Joy is a different kind of uh, emotion. It is an inward hope. It is an inward happiness that is not based on the happenings of life, but based on the fact that we are children of God and he loves us and he will never leave us and forsake us. It's a joy produced by all that God has done in our life so that no matter what is happening in our life, we have the joy of the Lord. See, that's joy. That's the kind of joy the Holy Spirit of God will produce in us as we walk in Him. Peace, supernatural calm in the midst of chaos and conflict. Peace, the ability to be able to live in harmony. Peace, a peace that passes all understanding. I've seen peace at work. I saw peace at work in my mom's life when she was diagnosed with cancer, pancreatic cancer. She was given a year to live and, and that's about what she lived for that year. And I saw during that year, my mom had such peace and joy in the midst of that year. Her faith did not wane, it grew stronger. Her witness for Jesus didn't wilt, it grew brighter and greater. And I'd go visit my mom to minister to her, and she'd minister to me. She had that peace in the midst of she, what she knew was going on. She had the peace of God. Long-suffering. That's a fruit that God wants to produce in our life. That means to put up with people. <laughs> That's literally what it means. You know, there's two words in the New Testament for long-suffering. One is patience under circumstances. 
You know, you're, things are going bad, but you're patient. You're waiting on the Lord. You're trusting in the Lord. You're patient with circumstances of life. You don't fly off the handle. You don't go crazy. You don't, you know, forsake God or anything. You're patient. That's what Job had. He was patient under circumstances. But another word of translated long-suffering means to be patient with people. <laughs> it means to put up with irritating people. Put up with people that rub you the wrong way. And still love them. Ha! That's long-suffering. And that's the kind of fruit that God wants to produce in our life. Kindness. Kindness is just a love Loving and kind, generosity, consideration to others. You know, we did a be kind study. You know how little, how little kindness there is in the world? Just kindness. Just, listen, be kind to others. Just even be kind to your enemies. You know, the, Abraham Lincoln said the best way to conquer an enemy is to make them your friend. They're not a good line. You know, the best way to conquer an enemy is to make him your fan, friend. I, I hope I'm known as a kind person. I don't want to be an old gruffy thing, you know, and irritable and overlook the needs of people and all that. I want to be kind. Goodness means moral excellence. It means to live according to, to God's word, to be a good person, to be kind and good. Isn't that Jesus? Kind. And he was good. And that's the fruit that God wants to produce in our life. Faithfulness means to be loyal. Means to be trustworthy to God and to others. To be a faithful friend to God and to others. I know in one, one of my churches, I had a guy that misbehaved, brought disparaging um, witness upon the church. And I thought it was my pastoral duty to clean his plow. Y'all know what that means? You know, when you clean the plow, you took a hammer and you hit the plow to get the old cakey dirt off the plow. And I thought it was my responsibility as a friend and pastor to clean his plow. And buddy, I did it. And then I did it publicly because he had brought public disparagement upon the church. I needed, we needed to deal with it publicly. To show the world that we didn't accept what he had done. But you know, when it was all over with, I went to him and I hugged him neck, his neck and I said, I will always be your friend and I want you to be my friend and I want to help you through this to regain in some way what you have lost. And he's still my friend today. Amen. Faithfulness, to be loyal, trustworthy. Gentleness. Gentleness. Now, gentleness is not weakness. Gentleness, in fact, is power. It's the ability to control your reactions and your responses to different difficult people and situations. It is the power not to overreact when we are attacked, mistreated, or hurt. It is not weakness. Gentleness is strength under control. Strength. Think about Jesus. Okay, they were taunting him on the cross when he was on the cross. Jesus could have spoke one word and killed every one of those people. He had it in his power. Even as he was dying on the cross, he could have spoke one word, boom, and they would have all killed over dead. 
Now, if you think you were on the cross being mistreated the way Jesus was being mistreated and you had that power to do that, do you think you could control yourself not to do that? But Jesus did. And you know why he did that? For me and you. Because he had to pay the price for our sins. And so gentleness is strength that's under control. You don't go crazy, you know, strength. Self-control, the ability to restrain inappropriate passions and appetites. The ability to overcome temptations, to remain faithful to God, self-control. So here's the fruit that God wants to produce in our life. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And if those things are evident in your life, if those things are detectable in your life, if those things are a reality in your life, that means that you're walking in the Spirit, you're being controlled by the Spirit, and the Holy Spirit of God is producing that Christ-like fruit in your life. The greatest evidence that you're a Christian is not that you can jump three pews in a single bound. The greatest evidence that you're a Christian is the fact that you live a changed life and the fruit of the Holy Spirit is evident in your life. And so God wants to produce fruit in us. Now my dad would watch those watermelon fields and we'd, we'd drive through the watermelon fields. You know, the, the process of those vines growing. And my dad would find a little watermelon that big, you know, and he said, son, look here, we got a, we got a melon. <laughs> he was so excited. We got a melon. You know, you give it three weeks and it'll be ready to go. You know, can you imagine God looking down on, from, on you from heaven? And he sees one day that you're kind. And he calls the angels over. Come here, come here, look, look how kind he is. Look at the fruit. That is bearing in his life. Right? Amen. God looks at us. He wants this fruit to bear in our life. Also, there's a fruit of righteous behavior. Philippians 1, 9 through 11. This I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and in discernment. That you may approve the things that are excellent. That you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Righteous behavior. What does that mean? Well, righteous behavior is doing good things in the name of Jesus for others. That's a fruit that God wants to see in our life. That we do good things. Not for praise, not for personal attention, but we do good things. We're motivated to do good things, spontaneously to do good things, to plan to do good things. He sees good things that we do that bring him honor and glory done to, to not draw attention to ourselves, but to bring him honor and glory. That is righteous behavior. That is doing good in the lives of others. I remember when I was a kid, we had a neighbor uh, who was a good friend of ours and his daughter contracted Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever. I guess she got bit by a tick or something. Never will forget this. And it was right at harvesting season for watermelons. Well, the father of this girl, she went into the hospital in serious condition and stayed in the hospital for many days and weeks trying to overcome Spotted Mountain Rocky Fever. And so my dad 
said, well, you know, it's harvest time. He can't be in there. So we harvested our crops and we went in his fields and harvested his crops. And we, dad sold his crops, our crops, and then he would sell Mr. Foles' crops. And, you know, daddy, we worked both crops. We just, you know, I don't know if daddy ever talked to him. I guess he did. But we broke, all during that watermelon season, we broke, worked both crops. And my dad had a very unique way of accounting when it was watermelon time. You know, most of the business was done in cash. You would sell your truckloads to the buyers from Indiana or Illinois or something, and they would give you cash. And my daddy had a very unique way of keeping up with the cash. He put it in a Lord Clinton cigar box. That's what I'm talking about. And so we had one for us, watermelons, and one for Mr. Foles' watermelons. Fortunately, Mr. Foles' daughter got better. And I never will forget this. He came to the house one day. I was just, I was not very old, a kid. And my daddy had called him and said, you need to come over here and get your, your box. <laughs> your Lord Clinton cigar box, you know, full of your watermelon money. And my daddy gave Mr. Foles that box. And he opened up that box. And there was the cash, a lot of the cash for the watermelons. And that Mr. Foles started crying. And he wanted to give my daddy some money. And my daddy said, nope, you're not going to do that. He said, if it was reversed, you'd do it for us. You're not going to do that. And Mr. Foles just cried. And they were really good friends and hugged necks. And they, and Mr. Foles left. And my dad looked at me and he says, now that's, that's what you do for friends. That's what you do for neighbors. See, that's a good work. Amen. My daddy did a good work. That's a work of righteousness. Just out of the goodness of meeting the need of somebody. That's a fruit that God wants to produce in our life. There's so much hate and negativity and, you know, just bad stuff in the world. And sometimes you find it too much in church. God wants us to be good and to do good things, to bring Him honor and glory. Ephesians 2.10, we are His workmanship. You know, the word workmanship, the original word is the word, word poema from which we get the word poem. You are God's poem. Now the word poema in the original language also had the sense of a masterpiece. Did you know as a saved child of God, you are God's masterpiece. God has saved you and changed you and he's made you brand new and you are God's masterpiece of work of his, of his grace. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for Anybody know the next two words? Good works. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We're not saved by our good works. We do good works because we are saved. And so, we, you know, good works are a fruit of our salvation. You know? It, it's what God wants to produce in our life. Another fruit is the fruit of praise. Hebrews 13, 15. Thereby by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of your lips, giving thanks to his name. God doesn't want us anymore to bring sacrifices of grain or animals. He wants us, the sacrifice he wants from us is the sacrifice of praise. That is of our lips giving thanks to God. 
That's the fruit of our lips. So he wants us to praise the Lord through song. You know, God created music. Now, music's been hijacked by Satan and, you know, abused and all that kind of stuff. But he, he, he uh, Psalm 108.3, I will give thanks to thee, O Lord, among the peoples, and I will sing praises to thee among the nations. And so the, the fruit of our lips is our sacrifice of praise when we praise the Lord. We're to do that. We're to do that continually. We're to do that through song. We're to do that through witness, do that through testimony. We are to to bear the fruit of praise, thanking God for his goodness and for his grace, singing unto him, lifting up our voices in praise, you know. And here's what I found. The closer I am to God, the more apt I am to sing to his glory. Being filled with the Holy Spirit, the first characteristic that is said, be filled with the Holy Spirit and not be controlled by wine, the first characteristic of being filled by the Holy Spirit is to speak praise, to sing praise. And so we are to sing praise. And you know, the Lord, he loves to hear us sing. Nobody else may love to hear you sing, but God does. And sometimes it's just good to get you an old Baptist hymnal and just give the Lord a concert. I do that sometimes. I'll open up the hymnal and say, Lord, this is a good hymn. And I'll sing it to him. And I'm sure he's enduring it in heaven. And so are the angels. But I want to offer a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of my lips. And so, you know, that, that's a fruit that God wants to see in our life. And also the fruit of leading others to faith in Christ. The fruit of soul winning. The, the fruit of sharing our faith. The fruit of being a witness. The fruit of leading others to know Jesus. Paul wrote in Romans 1, 13 through 17. Now I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I have often planned to come to you, but was hindered unto now, that I might have some fruit among you also, just as among the other Gentiles. In other words, Paul said, I want to come to see you at the church at Rome because I want to, ha- I want to see people saved there as I've seen them saved in other places. That's what he meant by when he said he wanted to see fruit. He wanted to see the fruit of people coming to Christ. And so the fruit, another fruit that God wants to see in our life is our witness. Sharing our faith, leading others to have faith in Christ, opening our mouths and speaking boldly as we ought to speak, Uh, telling others about Jesus. I've never had anybody, you know, most people don't want to witness because they're afraid they're going to be asked a question they can't answer. Well, a five-year-old can ask you a question you can't answer, okay? And... Or either, you know, they they think they'll mess it up or something like that. I've never had a negative experience in witnessing to anybody. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody I've ever witnessed to has accepted Christ. That's not the case. But I've never had really a negative experience where people attack me because I shared my faith with them. Many have listened, listened patiently, and maybe they say, well, I don't know now, about right now, or not yet. or But I've never had anybody really attack me. Thank you for joining us for our program today. 
Truths for Life with Pastor Teacher Chris Hall is a presentation of Hall Sports Communications. To contact us, you can send an email to chrishall71 at hotmail.com. That's chrishall71 at hotmail.com. Be sure to join us for our next program. Until then, stay safe and may God bless you.